So again, we are uh, in Ephesians, and what Paul, this whole letter is, is it's a check-in. So he's writing this letter to check in with them. How are they doing in, their, in their, their journey with Jesus? And he really asked them this first question of, how are you doing in your walk with God? How's your walk with God going? I asked you that same question. How's your walk with God? Because our faith can get routine, can it? And I'm getting old enough that it can become routine. You know, I get kind of, my lifestyle kind of fits the Christian life just in autopilot. God wants so much for us. And Paul's asking them, how is your walk? Is it a worthy walk? How's your walk with God? I'm hoping you're asking that question through this whole series uh, today. And then he goes on and he, he begins at this late part in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. And we're in 6, uh, 10 through 18. Uh, how is the spiritual battle going? Because Paul and the Ephesians, they have a history of doing spiritual battle together against the enemy, against Satan. If you look at Acts 19, don't turn there, I'll tell you, but write it down and go there later. In uh, Acts 19, Paul's in Ephesus. And uh, while he's in Ephesus, uh, God is doing a powerful work, a huge work uh, through Paul. Uh, people are being healed. Um, he is casting out demons. It is incredible. <laughs> and there's these jokers, I'll call them, uh, the seven sons of Sceva. And Sceva is a high priest, a Jewish high priest. They see what Paul's doing. Uh, and so they want to copy him. And so they go to the demons and they're going to try to cast him out. And they, and they say, hey, uh, uh, in Paul, yeah, what Paul's saying, yes, go demon. <laughs> and really the demon talks to them and says, we know Jesus. We recognize Paul, right? These Christ followers. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? And then the story gets a little crazy because that demon attacks them and, 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 and beats them. They run. It says bloody and naked. It was battle. Right? So it's a powerful thing that they've experienced. And in Ephesians 6, this letter we're looking at, verses 10 through 13, Paul wakes up as he's closing this letter. Remind him there's resistance. Don't forget what we've experienced, that there's an enemy that's active, Satan, the devil. And he wants to use, how is your spiritual battle going? Remember, spiritual battles, uh, Satan's trying to destroy the work of God. So I ask you the same question. How's your spiritual battle going? How's it going? What Paul calls them, he says, the battle's real today. Okay? And if you need no more evidence than what we're experiencing right now, what happened in Texas, pure evil, what happened in Buffalo, what happened in California, right? And unfortunately, I can go on and on. Pure evil, the work of the father of this world, one of the titles for Satan. Spiritual battle is active right now. Painful. You know, I know uh, this week uh, we gathered, and there's only one way we can fight that, right? It's through prayer and through Jesus Christ. And we gathered uh, via Zoom, and, a, and the church got together and just prayed for Texas, prayed for Buffalo, and, and those things. And um, so we got to remember that. 
but we are in a spiritual battle. Do not miss that. What we've been talking about for his, uh, what Paul says is put on the full armor of God, right? How do we battle this, right? You, know, you suit up. You suit up with the full armor of God. And we've been looking at the different pieces of that. Well, today we're going to look at uh, Ephesians 6, 17a. And I'll be all over in scripture. So I encourage you as I quote something that jars, write that down. You know, I do want you to test every word um, that I say because I want it to be God's word. I'll write that inside. But Ephesians 6, 17, we're going to look at protecting your mind, protecting our mind. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the helmet of salvation. So let's break that down a little bit. The helmet, okay? The helmet uh, is for protecting your head. Okay, the helmet is for protecting your head. And so what the Romans is they wear these helmets, as you can see it right here, right? Uh, these cool, elaborate helmets that absolutely had uh, designs. And they're in the early Romans war, they didn't wear helmets. Uh, but the Gaelics, they're their enemy to the east of them, right? They developed something called the spathus. I'm gonna show you this thing. And it was a large, probably even larger than this, heavy sword. And they invented this, and they would have a group, and they would go, and what the Gaelics, their battles, they wanted to be isolated, so they spread out, so they weren't concentrated, and they wanted to get one-on-one, and they carried these huge, heavy swords, and their goal was to take the head off of the Romans, if not take their head off, knock them so loopy that they're unable to engage in the battle and have victory. And they actually started winning some wars. So the Romans said, okay, we gotta design a little bit better helmet. You can see how they're covering the sides here and everything for the, the, this warrior. And they, you know, they won those wars, just so you know. Um, but the helmet was for protecting the head and specifically what the head contained, the mind, the cognitive center of us humans. It's where we, we, our ability to think and reason comes from. It's where our outlook and our perspective comes from. It's where we understand our role and our purpose. You can understand if you defeat that, then that warrior is ineffective. And so that is the battle that they fought and this metaphor that Paul was using that they all understood, okay? We are in a battle for our minds today. First Peter 5.8, we've shared this a couple times here. It says, it says, be sober-minded and be alert because your enemy, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour he is after your mind. He's after our minds. Sober-minded means anything corrupt. Anything that will corrupt the mind. We've got to keep that away, and that's what the enemy is looking for. And this is a battle we're all in for our mind. And, and this battle plays itself out in, in two arenas for us. There's an internal battle, and there's also an external battle. Okay? Eternal battle is, internal battle is what we wrestle with. It's what we wrestle with. And uh, I love what Paul, Paul's afraid for his people, God's people, um, of losing the battle. Second Corinthians 11.3, 
And I'm going to read from the New American Standard. I really like it saying you're going to have an ESV up there. It says this. But I am afraid that, and this is Paul speaking, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So he says, I'm afraid about this battle this, of your minds, and the enemy, Satan, might come in, in his craftiness, grab a hold of it, and drag you away and destroy you. And he's making reference to the Garden of Eden. You know, it's a great illustration of this internal battle uh, for our minds that the enemy has. So uh, Genesis 3, 17, uh, verses 1 through 7, and you've heard the story before. It's Eve and Adam and Eve in the garden, but the, a lot of the conversations are with Eve and Satan, the serpent. And God had told Adam and Eve when he created them, placed them in the garden, and said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they're in the garden, and a serpent comes up and basically says, um, did God really say that? You know, he came in, his scheme was, he, he wanted to twist the word of God. And if you study that, I mean, he didn't twist it very much. He just tweaked it. But what that cost is great. So he came and he twisted the truth. And he started capturing her mind. So he, he got her mind to just drift off a bit. And then he, he captured her eye. It says she saw the fruit. And I think this is such an important piece in this story as, as she is wrestling now internally. Um, she sees the fruit, it says. I think those words in the scripture, I don't think she saw it, noticed it before. It was just there. Don't do that. Don't pay it any mind. But when serpent came and started tweaking and twisting and his craftiness drew her, um, she saw the fruit was good. And then you see her mind follow. It says, uh, we don't surely won't die. We'll be like God, Right? I want that, and we'll be wise, she says. She grabbed the fruit, ate it, and gave it to Adam. And so what we see is Satan's scheme. He puts us in this place where this is internal battle that we wrestle with. And we're in the same battle today. It's not just a guard thing. Sin entered the world. And 1 John 2.16 makes it really clear. In this world, we have sin. And in that, we're going to have your translations say different things, either the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, or the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life. I mean, he uses this same tactic to put it out there to make us start just struggling inside, wrestling with these things, all to grab us take us away, grab our minds and destroy the work of God that's happening within us and around us. So he is battling and we have to pay attention, be sober-minded. There's also an external battle. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And what Paul's doing here uh, is he's talking about this external battle, the things that we need to stand against there are these outside forces, and he's defending his ministry here, and he's telling them here, this is what we do. This is our ministry. So this is our ministry as well. It says, 
Start in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, and I'll read through 5. For though, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy, here it is, strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So what he's saying here is, he's saying there's this external battle. When we come in, there's these things we see around you and we have to stand firm and we're going to do battle because they're going to capture your mind. Okay, and he mentions strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is any ground that Satan has taken. A stronghold is any ground that Satan has taken. Okay, it can be an institution. It could be policy. It could be practices that become normalized, right? It's the stronghold. And how do we know if a institution, practice, a policy is a stronghold? Because you can see what it is attempting to do. Okay? If it is attempting to destroy God's work on earth, guess what? It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. It's a fairly easy litmus test. Is it destroying the work of God? If it is, it's a stronghold. And we have to stand firm, it says. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. We have to stand firm against it. What about arguments and lofty opinions? Some of yours might say lofty thoughts, okay? We are in what they call the information age. I haven't seen it recently, but they say our information, knowledge, uh, doubles. At one point, it was every three years. I think it's much faster. I mean, how much knowledge and information is coming out as is crazy, right? And so when we look at arguments and lofty opinions, you know, as these external battles, these are the things that I would say are a little more personal, influencing you, okay? You know, they could be teachings, right? And with all this knowledge, there is teachings everywhere, right? I mean, it's just the click of a mouse and everything that you want, and it could be, quote, unquote, defended, right? How much has the internet helped us and destroyed us? right? So much information there. Uh, it's arguments, reasoning. Boy, it sounds so good. It sounds so rational. And I, I say this often because I think it's so contemporary. It is robbing a generation with this rational thinking um, because everything's in sound bites now, right? You don't have the discipline of deep, deep study typically it's podcast, it's quick quotes, right? That's what's teaching our generation now. And these are the arguments and these lofty opinions. You know, I think I got time, it's just a story. You know, really what drew me to the faith is I was becoming, getting older, still young, but I was older and cranky because uh, I went back to school, college, as a married man with a child, not as a college freshman, you know, uh, while I was a freshman, I just happened to be old when I did it, okay? So I'm in my 20s, and I'm hanging out with 18-year-olds, right? Because I've got to take the 101 classes. So the very first class I took, 
I'm in the back row with the other old people. I guess we hang out in herds there, right? So I'm in the back row with the old people, and the professor gets up there and starts ripping the Bible. I'm not a believer, okay? So it's not some sort of Christian conviction. It was actually an integrity of thought conviction I had. I, wa- I literally, I remember today, I watched these kids in the front row taking notes as he's tearing the Bible down and giving no backup. It was just senseless, useless knowledge, but because he was lofty, I'll use that word, he was a professor, had a couple uh, $10 words he can use uh, that impressed an 18-year-old kid, uh, a cranky 24-year-old, no, it didn't. I said, this guy, this is a joke. There's no backup. He's destroying a, a whole fate here with just rational, lofty position. And it really... I ended up, I had to figure it out, so I called all around and found this Christian guy that would come and debate at schools. We've had a debate. A non-believer organized it at Eastern Washington University. That place was packed. Right, Christian? um, That Christian guy destroyed. They couldn't even ask him questions because he had great knowledge and was wise. But I'm telling you, that's these external things we have to stand firm against, Okay. We have to understand our times and what God says about that because we are in a battle for our minds and whole generations right now. So we have these internal battles for our minds, these external battles of our minds. I love what the Ephesians did. I told you in uh, Acts 19 um, is when Paul visited there and they had this incredible spiritual warfare encounter. <laughs> Here's what they did after that. So these Guys, these seven sons took off because they, they got defeated because they weren't fighting the battle in the name of Jesus, right? The people saw, like, whoa, okay, Jesus is powerful. And they started pouring toward Paul. And they started confessing all their sins and sin. And, and then some of them came, and they started burning their books, their magic art book, it said. Uh, and I'll use today's numbers. $4 million worth of stuff they burned. Imagine if there was a fire out there and we took all the garbage and burned it and the price tag was $4 million worth of stuff. That's a big burn pile, isn't it? That's what they did when they're in the power of Jesus and they understood the spiritual um, uh, battle for their minds and said, no, we can't even have this around us. And they went and they burned it. We're in a battle for our mind. So how <laughs> do we win this battle? What it says in Ephesians 6, 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation. So salvation is the way we protect our minds. So salvation, what does it mean? Let's take a closer look at it, okay? Salvation equals you are rescued. We are rescued. We are rescued. Colossians 1, 13. Um, I like the NIV there. But if you look at that, um, You'll see what salvation is, is us being rescued from one kingdom to another kingdom. We are rescued from Satan's kingdom, this world, where he's the father of this world, father of lies, right? The author of death to Jesus' kingdom, kingdom of life, kingdom of victory. 
So salvation, why does it protect our minds? Because first of all, we are rescued from Satan's kingdom to Jesus' kingdom. And what tools does God use to rescue us? Uh, things that you're going to understand that Ephesians 1, 7, Paul said earlier in this letter, you know, it's by uh, grace. It's forgiveness are the tools that he used. You know, all of us love a great rescue story, don't we? I remember when I was younger, um, and some of you are around me. Uh, I remember this little girl fell in a well back east. Some of you remember that. I forgot what her name was. I remember the whole world was glued to the TV, watching this rescue unfolding for a few days. And then they, they had to do all these crazy tricks to get her. You know, and you're watching these tools and different things. Or they, I think they bored down deep, and it came in sideways. Just, just cool, great. Uh, the whole world went crazy when they saved this girl. It was awesome. You know, so these tools of rescue are powerful. What God's are is his grace. It's forgiveness through his blood on the cross. He went to the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins to rescue us. Some of your translations in Colossians 1.13 says he transferred us from one kingdom to the other. Uh, and he died on that cross and went to the grave. And then three days later rose again and had victory over death right, to permanently put us in the kingdom of God. And what are we supposed to do? How do we get this kingdom? I think you find it in that short little verse, Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation. What's that first word saying? Take. It's to take something that's already complete. Salvation is there. God's done the work. And we just take it by faith and put it on. Take it by faith. Last week's message by Pastor Sanjay was incredible in faith. So if you don't understand what faith is and the dynamics, listen to last week's message, okay? It's great. So you take it by faith. And that salvation, we are rescued from Satan's kingdom into Jesus' kingdom. There's more, though, okay? There's more. Uh, salvation. In this salvation, with salvation, we are also resourced. It's not just a, a thing we get. It's not just a position we have being saved. But we are absolutely resourced with it. It comes uh, and probably an endless talk of all the things that come with it. But one thing that comes with it, we're told, in Ephesians, Paul says in chapter 4, verses uh, 23, 24, he talks about it. But he says this, is that we are given a new mind. Right? Uh, Ezekiel 36, 26. Uh, different translations say different things, but what it means is we are given a new heart by God and a new spirit or a new mind, that, that same word means. So at salvation, we are given a new mind. In Romans 12, verses 1 through 2, focused on verse 2, it says this, is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to this world. Right, you see this battle line? Uh, and then you will know what God's will is. And I want to center on that word know. Because what Paul does, he spends the first three chapters in Ephesians telling them what you need to know. And he goes through the last half of, of the 
walk you're in, the battle you're in. And how are you going to win this battle? It's through the renewing of your mind and all the other resources God gives us. And we speak of the battle of the mind. How do you defeat bad thinking? With good thinking, right? Sounds simple, it's true. Uh, you do it every day. Same truth in the battle of our minds. Good thinking, what we know is how we contend for the battle of our mind. So when the lie comes in, when the twisting of the truth comes in, say, no, this is, this is who we are. This is what we know to be true. So let's look at the things that Paul talked about, the things that we can know. And there's a lot more, but these are some things I just want to give you today. First thing, we have to know that you have victory. Know that you have victory. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses uh, 10 and 11, if you just look at that, where is the victory found? It's in Jesus. It's in his strength. And when we put this full armor of God on, then we are able to stand firm, it says. Colossians 2.14 tells us that on the cross, Jesus disarmed, defeated the powers of Satan. He won. Yeah, he, he won. And James 4.7 says this. We get to, because of salvation, be with the winner. Right? Um, you know, those of you that have a big brother or sister um, and were bullied at school and just went up to big brother and sister and say, hey, little Bobby is bullying me. Big brother and sister rolls in there. Guess what? Problem solved, right? Remember those days? You've got a big brother. You've got a daddy that's tougher than every other daddy. And you get to press into him. It allows you to flee the devil, James 4, 7. You win. You win. And that victory was set in eternity past. That first chapter of Ephesians, it's amazing. It uses words like predestined, chosen, adopted before the foundation of the world. God set the foundation of victory for us. And for us, we secure it when we become Christians at conversions by faith. And I love this, okay? Because it says, uh, Ephesians 2, um, 5, and, and, and verse uh, 2, 8, it says, by faith you are saved. Think of that word saved. Think of the last two letters of that. E-D, right? That suffix. It means past tense. It means done complete, doesn't it? You have sealed your victory when you come to the victor, Jesus. That suffix, that ED, is powerful. It's done. It's complete. It can be relied on. You have victory because of Jesus Christ. And here's what that does. Being on the winning team, knowing the score already, Changes how you fight the battle. You know you win. I'm a weird sports watcher, okay? I think it's the coach in me. 
Most everybody else I know loves, will be mad at you if you tell them the score, the final score. In fact, most people will not watch it. How many of you will not watch a game once you, someone told you the score? See? Yeah, and most of you are lying right now. I got it. Um, <laughs> um, right? You hate it. I've, I, oh, I've seen the biggest fights over that. I want to know the score because I want to watch it as a coach. I watch the game totally different when I know the outcome. I mean, I get to watch what I love about sports, and that's the game within the game, right? Just from that. You walk this spiritual battle much different when you know the score. Guess what? The score's in. You've won because of Jesus Christ. So in this spiritual battle, uh, your attitude should be that of a victor. You should walk with your head high, and I know the battle rages on, so don't mishear me. You're not removed from the battle. It's there. It's real. But we walk through the battle much different. Much, much different. Our attitude is different. We're stepping in. We know we win. We know we win. Boy, that's a good shot there. Wow, does that kind of hurt? I'm not sure about this play, um, but I know I win. (laughs) That's why I watch Seahawks games. Okay, that was a bad throw. Okay, okay. But I know we're going to win. It's okay. (laughs) Right? So you have to know that you have victory. Next thing is you have to know you have freedom, okay? You have to know you have freedom. Uh, uh, Ephesians tells us this, that we were uh, dead in our transgression, uh, chapter two, first three or four verses there. We were just partners with what it calls the sons of disobedience. We were just dead, and sin was winning out. We had no freedom. Romans 6, if you want to study about this concept, read that chapter, powerful chapter, that we were just slaves to sin. It had us. It was winning it. But then, uh, Ephesians 2, 5, I love that we were made alive in Christ. See, the tool of Satan, really, is basically sin. You know, anything not of faith, that's what sin is. He's trying to use us to, to walk that road of sin and move away from God to destroy that. But he says, no, no, we, uh, God destroyed that. And we are not slaves to sin, but now slaves to righteousness. That means a right relationship with God. We have power over sin. And why this is important is if sin is what the enemy uses is we're in battle, um, what we can know is when those fruits are presented to us, right, they have no power over us. It is a choice away of saying no. God has given me power to say no to that. I will not go to that website. I will not speak this. I will take this thought captive in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus because I am not a slave to sin. It doesn't own me. I'm not out of control. I have freedom. I have choices. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. Man, if you don't know the scripture, make sure this is one of these that you memorize. This charge for us to choose this freedom for life. It says, be careful how you live because the days are evil. Be wise. Be wise. The enemy's at work all around us. This is his world. But there's life in Jesus Christ. And we'd be free to choose that life. And all that that life entails. Scripture calls it the life that is truly life. 
And we get to choose that. You've been empowered through your salvation to be able to choose that. Do not let sin trip you up and consume you and destroy the work of God. That's the enemy's work. But you get to walk in freedom. Next thing I want to bring out is know you have power. Know you have power. You've been equipped with power. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, when you are saved, when you believed, you are sealed. Another suffix, E-D, set, sealed, done. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us that that Holy Spirit uh, gives us power. Power. And you go to Ephesians 3. And I love this chunk of scripture. Uh, 3, and I think it starts about 9 or 8 there and goes down to 21. Um, but it says right this, uh, the strength in you, be strengthening your inner being. Talk about the Spirit's work in you. And it goes to verse 20. And I love it. It says that you can do more than you can ever even imagine. Even imagine with the power that's at work within you, the Holy Spirit. So is Satan powerful? I took you to Acts 19. One demon-possessed guy uh, won the battle convincingly for three non-believers, or seven, excuse me, right? Uh, But when we're Jesus, he doesn't have power. We have power because the Holy Spirit in us, right? We have power to live the life that God has us, to walk through the battles that God will have us walk through. In his word, we can have victory because of Jesus Christ. We have been given authority, Jesus says, over evil spirits. So why do we not shrink down? Why do we not, because some Christians do this, not talk about spiritual warfare? Because we're not afraid. And you know how I mean this? Jesus is a punk, right? Or excuse me, Satan is a punk. Jesus is a victor. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad one. There's a slip, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, clap for that one, please. Uh, uh, yeah. How many people do we lose online there, okay? Um, uh, so, yeah, Satan's a punk. Jesus, we have power, right? Now, do not underestimate him. Here's what Christians do. Is, oh, okay, we win, so no big deal. No, you have to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Right? Be walking in the truth of God's truth, not your own. Uh, then you're powerful, okay? So that's why don't just ignore it. Oh, we win, so I'm not even going to talk about it. No. Um, friends, that'll get you in trouble because you're not going in armored up, suited up, okay? You have to go in. Uh, you are powerful. And the last thing that helps us walk through and protect our mind and get through these battles is you have to know you have purpose. And you are on a mission. Ephesians 2.10, Paul tells him, man, you have these good works that God had created uh, and passed for you to do. And he is a craftsman, and he has just designed and created you specifically for the work he has for you. He says, so keep your eyes up. Be about your good work, right? And the mission that he has for you. Don't let Satan knock you off course. Live a life that brings glory to God. 
We've all been there. You know uh, when you are the most effective at work or whatever you're doing, when you are dialed in. And just think about maybe the last time you were really productive at work or at home. Uh, I have to think at home. <laughs> when you are, it's when you're dialed in. You're zoned in. You know exactly what you want to accomplish, and you're at it. When are you least effective? When you're all over the place, right? Uh, you don't get anything done. You get at the end of a workday, and you're exhausted, and you say, I didn't accomplish anything today. So when you walk with purpose and a mission, it allows you a better straight line through the mess and not get distracted. It's just saying, Satan, I do not have time for you. I'm on a mission from God. I'm here to bring his glory and be a good witness of his. So you may want to trip me up with this fruit. You may want to trip me up with this lie. You might want to consume me with this fight, but I'm not going to get distracted. I am on my way home, and I'm going through this field where you have some uh, influence, but I am focused on my mission. And it empowers you to be about what God has and basically, your message to Satan is this, I don't have time. You're not going to grab my attention. And when we do these things, we protect our mind, right? We protect our mind because what we're doing is great thinking. Godly thinking will always triumph over Satan and worldly thoughts, okay? So how do we protect our mind? You put the helmet of salvation on. You've been rescued to his kingdom. You have been uh, resourced with a new mind. And God wants you to use that new mind. Paul is telling us in this whole letter, here's the thoughts, here's the thinking you have. And when you have those godly thoughts and godly powers, you will win. And not only win, but you'll defeat the work of the enemy. You will begin to take ground, Christian. And for us at North Shore, that's who I want to be. I don't want to be at churches just running around chasing that stuff. Uh, because I actually think that's a tool of the enemy too. Focus on me, focus on me, focus on me. No, no, we focus on Jesus Christ, right, and his power. But what we don't do is get in a place where we get um, just quiet and thought and, and say, okay, we're victors, so we don't have to think about that. No, there's a real battle raging, and we're going to step into it, okay, in the power of Jesus Christ. So church, you know, let's together go win this thing right? Uh, let's take ground uh, for Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think we can, and I think the world is in a place of such darkness that that light would be powerful and attractive to our broken world. And that is my prayer for us at North Shore. So I'm going to invite the uh, worship team up and just invite you to think about something, um, you know, some next steps. I'll take you to a couple scriptures. Uh, in Philippians, Paul wrote that book as well uh, in verse 9 and verse 12. In verse 9, he talks about, and he's praying for them, that they've increased in their knowledge of love, meaning they're understanding God more and more and growing from that. And in verse uh, 12, chapter 2, he says, work out your salvation. What he's talking about that is they don't have to earn their salvation. He says, understand all that you are resourced with in this salvation. Grow in this so I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, if you just got a great handle on God and his word, go further. 
go further, right? And how do you know you know about your salvation and everything you have? It's what you use, it's what you do. I love the uh, communion address today, it's so fitting, you know? Look at the active evidence of it. Understand how you've been loved by Jesus Christ and grow more and more like him. Uh, and when you do those things, you're gonna see that your mind is gonna continue to be renewed and renewed and strengthened so you can fight the battle for your mind uh, with the enemy. If you're somebody here and say, boy, this is, I don't know Jesus at all, uh, it starts there. It's allowing him to come in as a victor over your sin, over your life, and then resource you with everything I just talked about. And it starts with taking by faith, saying yes to Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would love to talk to you about that. And that is your first step. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with us. And we're gonna sing a song about coming to the altar. Uh, the Father's arms are open wide, right? This is the victor. Come in, get the victor's crown, and we will win the battle of our mind. I love you, North Shore.